0: guys so it's just myself francesca today amanda's busy being a boss she's getting that degree so i'm going to be interviewing miss joe morrison and we're going to be talking about her amazing business scarlet fashion dress now she's all the way in south africa and i'm over here in london so lockdown didn't want us to win but we did so please bear with the technical issues but listen to this great interview very excited about this interview. I have Jo Morrison and she is a girl boss. She's amazing, her story. I came across it on TikTok. Funny enough, like TikTok, I only downloaded the app because of the quantum routine period. And I came across this story and I liked her thing. And then it came back on my feed again. And I was like, wait, wait, what kind of story is this? But I need to share this story. I reached out to Jo and she was so happy to share her story to inspire people. And I can't wait to just get stuck in. So everyone say hi to Joe. <laughs> hi! <laughs> Excited
1: to be here. So we're basically
0: gonna ask Joe about her journey she's been through a lot but she's persevered and she's been able to have this amazing business Scarlet Fashion Dress it's an online e-commerce business um so Joe, first of all like how did you get started how did it all come about?
1: Well, my story is a little bit funny because my mom actually started Mm -hmm. the business originally as a small town boutique, um, just in our little hometown. It's, It's not very big. And she would sell wedding dresses, some casual clothing, some jewelry, and some prom dresses. And then obviously over the years that she ran that business, she noticed that prom dresses were much more popular and expanded out into that. And I ended up working in the shop throughout high school and then after uni as well and so like a little yeah Saturday and then I got to kind of this part time yeah on the weekends and just to help out because one of the staff members just never pitched up one day. And then she had a whole store filled with appointments and I had to kind of pitch in. (laughs) I'd never done it before. And it turned out that I was actually really good at it. I sold eight dresses Mm -hmm. on my first day. So I felt so confident about like, wow, I can actually work with people. I can do sales because I'm very introverted Mm -hmm. on a lot of levels. And yeah. And then, I just helped her out whilst I was kickstarting my own business, which is, um, you know, designing uh, wedding stationery um, and also for branding for web businesses and websites. Oh, so you really had like a and kind of
0: business line. Of-
1: Yeah, so that was my first business um, that I actually started straight out of university and I ended up designing wedding stationery and we also did some business cards for different businesses, even in the UK. And we ended up expanding that quite internationally because it was very online based and that's around the time when my mom passed away. So we ended up closing the business um, because I just couldn't, you know, deal with doing client orders. It was very custom one-on-one and you have to be very Mm -hmm. involved with it mentally obviously. So I had to close that down. And then my mom's business, she already closed two months before she passed away. She actually decided she doesn't want to continue with the dresses. Oh, wow. um, she's over it. So and I think she maybe felt it coming. I don't know. It's very mm. strange. I still sometimes think about it like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's it was all very odd timing, but it was so great because i don't think we would have been able to have handled that store during that time period um you know being in a retail environment with rent yeah and head, that, that would have been a lot exactly you can't just cancel your lease etc and our business was run from home so that's the beauty of it and we just basically packed everything up and we left off we traveled for eight nine months um and i came back to south africa because I didn't really know where else to go. Um, I'm originally from Belgium, yeah. so I did consider, okay. you know, moving back home. But at the end of the day, this is where I grew up. This is kind of where I knew everything. Okay. And I thought, okay, let me restart the stationery business up again. And we got back, but all our machinery was packed away. So it wasn't that simple. And we kind of started it half and half. So we ended up um, making some business cards, doing what we had with the printer and everything that we could just set up in the time period. But like we had laser cutters and Heidelberg machines that we couldn't just, you know, set up right away. They they weigh a ton, literally. (laughs) So it was really different. We didn't have money to even get people out to move the machinery for us. And at the same time, I took the old stock from my mom's store because, We had that left over, and I started a little business in my attic, in my bedroom, basically (laughs) where I grew up in, to just try and get rid of the dresses so that I could get enough money so that we could get people out for the machinery and start up our stationary business. Okay, so let me get this right. So you actually just and indirectly throughout it all, without even planning on it, there was such a big demand for you know the dresses, but not. The dresses that I was selling, dresses that were trending on Pinterest, which was not the stock that I had. It was very old, outdated stock. And, and it, how I did you find that out? Really was it hard from selling the country? dresses
0: and probably getting inquiries, asking for other kind of... Uh...
1: Yes, yeah, so... Yeah, so I started an Instagram page when I had the when I made the little store upstairs. I obviously had to get people into the shop, and I made an Instagram page. I was fortunate that a few people still knew of us because of my mom, who had built a little bit of a name of herself locally in our hometown. But because we were closed for over a year, um, people thought that we were gone forever. And obviously, being in an attic space versus in a proper retail environment by a mall, um, it made a big difference. So I had to. St- you know, get online and I started an Instagram page. I posted some of the older stock to just try and get some feet in. And fortunately there was a gap in the market for it. People came through, some people bought, some people didn't because that wasn't what they were looking for. They wanted that, you know, the yeah. in trend, on trend thing right now. And I didn't have that. And after a year of hearing, over and over again what I didn't have I, I knew exactly what I needed to create um, once I had saved enough money um, that first year because it wasn't just saving enough money for my first samples that I had to create but it was also um, paying for the childbirth of my son because when I came back I felt pregnant and I had no health insurance oh, wow. so I for had to people pay in all the UK we don't even think like that because we have the NHS so wow. exactly <laughs> yes yeah. I didn't have, um, yeah, we have healthcare here, but at the end of the day, it's not what you get in a fast world country. Um, so I had to really save up. I had to save up probably about like five, six thousand pounds to But you were saving up if that's to give birth
0: to your first life. child.
1: Your mom had yeah. just. <laughs> and you'll do. Yeah, the So I had to. Like, wow. Exactly. So it was, I remember coming back in September of 2016, my mom passed away Feb 2016. I fell pregnant October 2016. I kickstarted the business in January. I hustled until two weeks before I gave birth. Then I had to... Um, get back up again after about three weeks because my peak season was in July um, through to September, and if I wanted to make any money still that year, I had to do it then because at the end of the year it's my off season um, all the schools close here because we run from January to December oh, okay. um, so yeah it was it was quite a <laughs> it was quite difficult, but throughout it all, I think I was in such a like in, in survival mode that I didn't really think about anything and I just did. Literally. Um, and by the time my son was born, I had finally saved enough money that I could start, you know, thinking about samples and actually progressing the business. And at that stage, I also made the decision not to continue with the stationery because I realized that although I love it and it's a of mine and I really enjoy creating a product from scratch and, and literally from start to finish, it can't it I couldn't scale it the same way that I could with the dresses I saw that ooh with the dresses I can make the same amount of money but I don't have to work as hard Mm. Um, and ultimately with having a child that and not having any support system in South Africa was really important for me to be able to have that balance and with everything that I went through I also realized that you know which was different when I first started my first business I only thought about the money part of it yeah. and oh wow I can do so well and I can make this and after my mom died I realized you know it's, there's no point in like making a lot of money if you're not happy doing what you're doing Um, and also being able to live the life you want to live at the end of the day Um, so I took all of that into account and my Instagram page didn't really like do that well until I brought in my first samples that's that's actually when everything really started because obviously so let me just that's me
0: Because I know people are going to ask. So when you, when you started your business and you were
1: saving up, majority of your money came from your stationary business. Is that correct? No. So we hustle basically from. All different ways. So I okay. inherit. I didn't inherit any money when my mom died. I didn't have any money. I had no savings because with my first business, we basically all threw it in one pot. We still lived at home. My parents had bought us the machinery so that we could kind of like kickstart. I paid it all back, but because we lived in this type of community setting, we never mm-hmm. really saved the profits for ourselves. So when my mom okay. passed away, I didn't have a savings account. I didn't have anything really. Um, just a, just a piece of furniture here and there. That's about it. And the machinery and basically my dad had to lend us money in the process to to get everything kick-started as well. I had borrowed $300 right in the beginning to just get some paints on the walls and, you know, get a mirror so that people could fit on the dresses because I literally didn't have the money to afford that. And then we hustled all the leftover furniture that we had and household items everything my parents still had from over the years that they had from leftover businesses. Cause my parents were serial multi-entrepreneurs, everything from restaurants to retail oh. chain stores, like oh. you name it. So we had leftover glassware, leftover plates, leftover tennis balls, all these but like random. you guys random... went in. You <laughs> You're... <laughs> You're like, we got to get rid of this. <laughs> yeah. So we, we had like the biggest garage sale you've ever <laughs> seen in your life. We had it running for about three months where we just, hustled so much I think we made like I think Gary Vee would just love this story (laughs) probably (laughs) yeah he reminds me a lot of of like what I've done because he says hustle what you have and that's literally what we did we just hustled every little thing we could did a bit of business cards because we didn't obviously have all the machinery so we had to just Do what we could. Did a few business cards orders. Did a wedding stationery order. Sold some tennis balls. Some glassware. I still have the Excel spreadsheets of like those first months. Where we were like, oh, we made, you know, a thousand pounds selling glassware. Ooh, we made 500 doing this. And it was so exciting. Getting all of that together. But then the reality kind of set in that this isn't long term. It's not feasible. Mm -hmm. The stationery is like going to take us some money to get started again. The dresses are working though. And that was like the the mindset that I was in. And then fast forward a year later, that's when I really like said, okay, I'm putting my mind, my time, my money towards the dresses. Um, I believe in this. I don't know. My gut just said like, this is kind of where I need to go. Um, Cause I gave the stationery a shot already. I knew what it was like. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of what I got from my parents is wanting to try different things and pivot and challenge myself. And that's where the, the fashion brand kind of came in because it was my mom's actually originally. She came up with the name. Um, I did all the branding and look. Everything you see today is is my creative vision. But it's something we spoke about when I used to work with her in the store. You know, we would laugh about, you know, can you imagine like one day if we were to go to Dubai and shoot oh, like the dresses? You and her. she would laugh. Yeah, but she laughed at me <laughs> because she because I was 21, obviously dreaming. And my mom who has got way more business experience. And but didn't grow up in the digital age Mm. and, you know, with what social media can do for you and and how everything can change with just the online world. She laughed at me all the time, like, you know, saying like, oh, you're such a dreamer, but I believe in you. She always said, you know, I think you one day will do it. And I think that's been my passion throughout the whole business is that message and carrying on my mom's legacy of what she built and doing the things that we said we were going to do, but she never like, you know, was able to do it basically so yeah i I find that the most exciting part of the business and that's ultimately what drives me which is also a message i really want to send to all entrepreneurs is if you're starting out your business like i did like my first business where you're just thinking about how much money you can make you know if i get 30 clients that's so much if i if i can do this and i'm making this much and then i can go on my holiday you're missing the point of everything um you know with, with scarlet i literally when i design my collections and i do everything i'm not even I, obviously I'm calculating if it's feasible, if there's a profit margin, you know, yeah. all of these things are really important, but I'm not doing it from the perspective that I'm going to bank so much money out of it. I'm doing it. this uh, vision. And that's going to really help, you know, spread my message that I want my clients to see. And it's going to help elevate us. And it's going to look so great online. That's actually why I'm doing it is to create this creative vision basically that people can be inspired by and not it's and automatically you make money from it because obviously it works and it's authentic and people pick that up and they like it and you're providing exactly the type of value and product that they want and that's ultimately what drives the sales so it's 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 focusing on the sales but it's doing it indirectly actually and I just want to say, because I know sometimes people will be like,
0: oh, but she inherited this from my parents. But guys, I just want to say this. It's very easy to inherit something, sell it and do nothing and just carry on with your life. But I think that's yeah. what the difference is with Joe. She actually took that and thought to herself, what am I going to do and took it further? So that's the important yeah. message I want everyone to see here.
1: Well, trust me, I had a lot of people, um, you know, my dad had a company and a few people working for him at the time. And I mean, the amount of judgment that I got um, sometimes where, you know, people often assume that, oh, she just got it because of her parents. Because obviously my parents Mm. were serial entrepreneurs and my mom had the store beforehand and it's easy to go, okay, well, then it's easy. But at the end of the day, everything that I've, you know, created today was not there before. I had to start from scratch. Like I said, I had to literally buy a mirror and paint to just get it God, started. Guys, you had three weeks to me. but seriously. <laughs> exactly. After a season oh it was crazy. So the thing is, I've learned a lot out of all of that. And at the end of the day, the haters can hate. Um, usually people who do that are jealous, obviously, they don't understand, you know, the the hard work and effort that goes into it and how much I had to sacrifice the fact that I had to go back after three weeks and work during during my peak season, I had to miss out on certain moments yeah. with my newborn mm-hmm. child. And it wasn't nice. And not only that, but you know, going through the whole yeah. emotional rollercoaster it wasn't like everything was just smooth sailing. I had a lot of days where I I think I had like post-traumatic stress as well from my whole experience, but from the birth as well. And, you know, just dealing with that and then the growth of a company, it's, it's a lot to take on and everyone can say what they want, but at the end of the day, I think, you have to make your own success. You don't just get it handed to you on paper. Yeah. Even if you did, if you see those people that get handed something from their parents, usually it fails because they don't have the tools and skill set to be able to run it or to be able to do it. Cause you need to, you need to learn that on your own and do it on your own at the end of exactly. the day. Exactly. Um, so in
0: terms of like manufacturing, so you had the stock already. So did you straight away go to those manufacturers or did you think, okay, I need my own set. Like I'm going to go and investigate some new people.
1: Well, when I worked with my mom in the store, she used to do all the manufacturing. She started just buying wholesale, and then she, in the last couple of years, experimented with trying out whole um, designing her own dresses. I would say it's not not really a hundred percent designing, I would call it, but she tried yeah. her best, and yeah. she manufactured and everything, and it did well. I mean, it did really well, and I didn't really know much about it. She never spoke to me a lot about it. She just mentioned a few things here and there. So when I started with everything. And obviously after I kickstarted the shop and I had all the leftover stock and was selling it, the next step was, how am I going to get these new dresses? Because everyone keeps asking for this. So I first started looking around wholesale because I didn't like, I wasn't really thinking about creating my own stuff because I didn't see myself as a fashion designer. And I still don't to this, <laughs> to this day. I don't see myself like that. And I started looking online at wholesale. And obviously, there were the big brands that were available, but they were really expensive to buy from, especially from South Africa. And I didn't really feel like it was unique. I mean, every single, how many stockers do they have? Hundreds of stockers worldwide. So I just felt like, you know, it's okay. Like, I'd rather try something else. Then I finally found someone online on Alibaba. Mm -hmm. and. I was actually like, you know, I like this stuff. It looks really nice. It, it's, it's my style. Like, I, I really like this. And I ended up buying a few pieces and to launch that out. And then together with finding a supplier on Alibaba as well that I could manufacture with. Because the people who wholesale, they didn't do manufacturing, even though I asked them. Oh, so that um, was just the same- material. Yeah, so they they just, um, no, so the wholesalers, they sold ready-made dresses. And I okay. asked them, do you guys also manufacture? Like, can I make my own design with you if I show you a picture or a mm-hmm. drawing or something that I want? And they didn't offer that. So I went and looked online for other suppliers um, who were more manufacturing. So they were more factory-based and they actually were keen on doing stuff like that. That's what, you know, their whole industry and target audience was. Um, and I did that on my own and then I also used one of my mom's um old suppliers that I found through going through all her emails from all over the years Aww. um it helped me just see how she communicated with her suppliers um because oh, I've never worked good with, yeah I've never worked with a factory before and I didn't really know I knew some questions but I didn't know how do I ask this or like can I ask it like this or is that too direct mm, or and going important. through Exactly. And going through her conversations, and it was like a guide or a template of, okay, like, I see now how I need to get things done. Because working with, you know, Asian factories, for example, because I work with factories in Hong Kong and in mm-hmm. China, um, it's it's a language barrier, um, obviously, yeah. and also a different culture and mentality. You need to really figure out how to work together. Um, But I think because I'm an immigrant myself, I I, I feel like I have a more worldwide, you know, worldly view. And for me, it it was very easy, especially after going through what my mom, you know, basically did. And then I took that supplier. Um, There was another one as well, but I don't work with them anymore um, because I just didn't like their quality at the end of the day, because I feel like it's important that you constantly are looking for different people and experimenting with different factories, because the factory that you often start out with will probably not be the one that you end up using and building a long-term relationship with. Um, It's all about experimenting. And it doesn't mean that the factory isn't good. It just just means that, you know, they're, Exactly. Their goals might not be what your goals are. Like, for example, I didn't want to work with a factory that wanted really high volumes from me because that's not my goal as my mm-hmm. brand. I want to keep it limited edition. I don't believe in mass production and fast fashion. And, I, and so a factory like that wouldn't really, we don't meet eye to eye on on quantity and obviously the the lot price because they're thinking of a thousand pieces yeah. times 20 dollars or something you know so i try to look for more niched factories that would actually want to work with me and build me up because it's a partnership at the end of the day and they're willing to be flexible with their minimums because starting out producing a product i think that's the biggest problem that most people face is the minimums of the factories you yeah. know, if you have to buy a hundred pieces of something that's what stops a lot, a lot of so people Yeah, because it's a huge investment and I actually don't recommend it. I would advise people to negotiate because often they will say that as their minimum threshold because that's what they want. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you are willing to, you know, negotiate with them and come up with a plan that maybe if you said, you know, can I try this as a starter if it works? I will then, you know, place the hundred piece order with you or build up incrementally. So like I found someone who was okay with starting with four pieces. Um, That's not very normal in my industry. It's usually 10 to 20 pieces of a style of color. So I started off with four pieces and I'm so grateful that I found that supplier because I could not afford 10 pieces. Mm. That was like the minimum that most people wanted was 10 pieces of a style. And that was a lot for me. That was at least like, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred, a $1,000. And I couldn't invest that into one style. Because you have different
0: styles. So it's 10 pieces per style. Yeah, it's a lot.
1: Exactly. Especially if I want to cater for variety and the colors and the sizing and everything. And also the problem with prom dresses is if you're selling locally, it's a very exclusive product. Not everybody wants to be seen in the same dress. So Mm. you don't want to be buying 50 pieces of something. And, you know, not everyone's going to want those 50 pieces because if someone else has worn it already, then it could kind of puts someone else off. Um, so it's it's not about buying like a lot of stock at the end of the day. And I had to really negotiate hard with my with my suppliers even though some of them were like very hesitant on okay I don't really want to lower my quantity for you but because of how I explained it and I think my vision I was so adamant and determined to get them to understand what I wanted to do and achieve that I think at some point they were just like okay just so like, let's just get her off our back let's give her a chance <laughs> just let's just like do it for her and we'll see what happens and I think they've seen like with obviously the growth of my company and the volume over the last year or two that it, they took a leap of faith and it worked Mm. out for them as well. And now they are, they actually ask me questions (laughs) because they obviously don't know much about the Western world and they're trying to like figure things out as well. So they ask me questions on what do you think of this fabric? Um, We're thinking of doing this. So they actually try and like work and collaborate with me. And that's, it's really great. And I've been able to build up a few great relationships like that and, it's nice working with people who understand you. Um, and it's very important. I I think my, my biggest like tip to someone who's manufacturing is find a really reliable supplier. Um, your supplier is your business. It makes or breaks your business because last year, one of my suppliers who I had basically, um, created like a whole range with, cause I don't make all my ranges with the same suppliers. I believe don't put all your eggs mm-hmm. in one basket and some factories are more better skilled at, at other things than other factories are. Okay. I ended up producing this collection last year and it was one of my best selling collections mm-hmm. and my supplier ended up going through a personal dilemma end of last year where she Mm -hmm. couldn't help me the way that I needed to be helped. She couldn't manufacture and produce what I needed to. And it basically gave me so much stress during a time when I was planning my whole campaign and everything. It just wasn't necessary. And even to this day, I mean, I still work with her and everything, because obviously it wasn't her what happened, but it, that she's much more unreliable than what she used to be, for example. So that's. Oh, I see. You can see how it makes things more difficult at the end of the day. And I can only imagine if you're working with a factory or a supplier that doesn't get back to your emails or doesn't, you know, bother responding to you or providing you with the full information. Those are all red like flags you you need someone who's willing to you know jump when you jump if you ask something they should be responding to you and providing more than what you asked for um if they're not doing that then I don't know if it is a good partnership or relationship if you're chasing your own factory
0: so ladies there's some tips there so if you reach out to a manufacturer and you can't afford what they did, don't be afraid to ask them you never know they could negotiate with you the same way it happened with joe And also, like, if you're having a feeling where they're not really putting that much interest in you, they're not replying, sometimes just follow your gut and go with it and just move on to the next manufacturer. There's nothing wrong with it. Exactly. So what was it like when you got your first sample? Because I'm sure there must have been some sort of horror story or something with, like, a sample (laughs) and it didn't turn out right.
1: Well, the first one turned out perfect. Oh wow! <laughs> but, but the the first three turned out really, really great because I made samples with different suppliers. So the mm. first three that I got, man, I was so excited. I like it. Yeah. It was still one of my favorite dresses to this day, and it's one of my best sellers. Um, two years later, even and it turned out so well and then I produced a batch with another supplier and it turned out so bad I made like 10 or 12 samples and I made a TikTok video where I showed some of them it was so bad I'd like I was I just it was obviously like a complete waste of money at the end was it the
0: same style but you just went to a different supplier
1: no so basically i the first few samples that i made were very simple dresses very simple okay. designs because i noticed that um with all the promy dresses that my mom had from back in the day you know and back in the day the prom dresses were much more bold and colorful than they are now um so now um ooh, what was i talking about sorry uh, the, <laughs> i leave the, blank the... there for a second <laughs>
0: You was talking about your first um, batch that you received, that it went amazing, yes, and then the next that. one, it not too well.
1: So the first batch that I received, they were all plain, simple dresses, and I really. Um would do so well and they came out perfect but then the second batch I wanted to do more like um, lace and bead work and start focusing more on intricacy because there were some girls who were into that um, although a lot of people wanted more the plain stuff after the years of the very bold colorful prints and all that jazz from the past years and That didn't turn out so well because I ended up using a factory that I realized only afterwards actually wasn't specialized for what I was using them for. I thought they were, but it turned out they weren't. That wasn't their specialty. And that's when I found another factory who was excellent with beadwork, excellent with lace, and more expensive. But at the end of the day, I got what I wanted. Um, Mm. So that, you know, sometimes also um, paying, you pay for what you get for at the end of the day. Um, you know, that was another supplier that I worked with. I didn't show those pictures um, because I didn't even bother taking photos of them on a mannequin. Because from the photos, it looked really great um, when they sent me pictures of some things that I tried out. But then when I got it in person, the quality of the fabrics was not what I thought I was ordering. And this was also before I had my fabric swatches. So before I would just order things and Make it and say, okay, I, it needs to be this type of satin fabric, not having any reference myself, right? <laughs> so I would yeah. tell them, okay, it needs to be satin. And if you, that's one thing, if you do not specify to your factory something, they will fill in the blanks for you. So they would then <laughs> choose the satin fabric based on what they thought. I meant by what I was in what I was explaining and then I got it and I realized you know this is not the quality of the fabric that I was talking about but also the stitching the seams just the, everything some, something was not right about it you know when you see a dress and it just looks made you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah That's it, just like that. yeah it just wasn't really doing it for me and That's when I realized, okay, A, I need fabric swatches. I need to go source fabric myself because I know what I want. I know what type of like feeling and quality that I'm looking for. And it doesn't matter how I explain that to someone else because there are thousands of different satins and cottons and polyesters out there. You have to literally go and either ask your factory to source it for you or go to the factory um, yourself. Um, communicate what you want or go to a fabric market and then show that to, but preferably a local fabric market where your factory is based in In South Africa, if I'm not manufacturing here, um, I could maybe use it as a sample. Can you find something similar? But I'm not likely going to get the exact same type of fabric, obviously. So um, that's where I really started is just with the fabric. To make sure that i i got that right and then choosing the suppliers that had the highest quality of workmanship and the best service and flexibility so i went through quite a few yeah. um, i think it's very important to experiment i did lose um, a few thousand dollars along the way doing that but at the end of the day it taught me so much and i knew okay these are the people i want to work with this is what I need to do, and obviously along the way I've learned a lot more um, because things have not always gone accordingly to plan. Um, like last year with my one supplier who ended up, you know, delaying my entire collection wow. because I couldn't produce when i needed to so it just shows you how important it is to have stability and that trust with your with your yeah. supplier
0: but i think it's good that you mentioned that you lost a couple of thousand pounds because sometimes people think they see these um, successful entrepreneurs on instagram and social media accounts and they just assume it was like a nice journey but oh, it's no. not <laughs> but you know no. i want to move on <laughs> to like um instagram and how you
1: how you started to market your business Um, So when I got back in end of 2016 um, and I started the shop in my bedroom I needed an outlet to be able to promote the product and get it out so I started an Instagram page my mom never had any social media before when she had her business so it was completely new territory I had experimented with Facebook with my first um, business because that was back in like 2013 when Instagram was still a baby (laughs) so that was when everyone was still using Facebook a lot and I was playing around with ads and stuff so I learned quite a bit about building an audience, trying to convert a client online. And when I started the Instagram page, I didn't really think about it in the same way because I didn't understand Instagram when I first started. You can you can literally, if you scroll to the bottom of my, of my business page, you'll see, you see my captions. Yeah, you see the whole journey. Like the first pictures were terrible. The captions had no call to actions. There was nothing like that I was driving with that page. But I was showing, I was at least showing up you know, and putting myself out there online. And I didn't do any um, Instagram ads. I never did one from the beginning. I just posted every day. That was my main thing. I needed to just post every day. In the beginning, it was hard because I didn't have content. Um, so mm. I just used some pictures from what my mom still had left over from the past. And I started taking some behind the scenes photos. I tried making some content and you can see that and it's blurry and I'm putting these bad filters on and getting these quotes that are like, you know, pixelated. (laughs) I was just, I was for a few years ago, I was still okay. Nowadays, um, Instagram's really hyped up its content and and it's a lot harder to get that same type of Mm. engagement. So I was able to build up like 50 likes on a photo, you know, I, my goal was to get a hundred. So we ended up, um, I ended up getting someone to help me out after I had my son, because I honestly couldn't do it like all on my own. Um, especially if I was planning on, you know, doing my own samples and everything. So she would, you know, help me try on different dresses and we would kind of shoot across the store. And we also had customers that came in the shop. So I thought, okay, it's great way to take photos is when my customers are trying on these dresses and if they're not buying it, then I can actually just post that as content on Instagram and you'll see I posted then a few pictures. I got this app to help me lay out my feed a little bit better and edits um, because on the app that I use, um, it's called Preview. Um, You can edit your photos like right then and there. It's not Lightroom. It's not, you know, super professional. But I mean, it got me to where I am today. So it works. (laughs) That's the most important part. And um, yes, I just started posting that. And then that was around the time fast forward, like four or five months later of doing that. I didn't post every single day. Um, but I was trying and I was getting better working on my captions. You can see that towards the end of 2017, I've stopped playing around with emojis and captions and making it more interesting, more fun, finding my brand voice, basically. And by the time I had my samples, I was so excited to post this stuff online that I made my assistant try everything on. And we just started going in, the, in my bedroom, basically. My oh, so bedroom. She became um, your model. Yeah, she actually became my model indirectly. And we just started playing around and having fun. And it wasn't the plan. Like, it wasn't – I didn't plan this. It was just something that happened in the spur of the moment. It was so spontaneous. And in the moment when I was looking through the photos, I realized, you know, wow, there's great lighting up here. (laughs) And I was always complaining about that. I don't have the right equipment. I don't have the right space. I don't have the right – This because that was my biggest – hurdle block was putting content online and I just I I always thought I need a photographer I need to go to a grand location to get the right photo or I need the right app to be able to edit it all that perfect preset you know Mm. and work with what you've got yeah I actually just realized that you just need to make what you have with what you have because I was in an attic space it didn't look amazing but the, and my lighting around like my whole property wasn't the type of lighting that really worked for natural lights photography but when looking through my iphone photos i thought geez you know this came out really well and with the rail it like pops the color and i was so excited by it that i thought you know what i'm gonna post this so i posted it online it was my first photo that got over 100 likes instantly and oh. it, it just you know it showed immediately okay I'm on something like this makes sense. And because I really liked it, it excited me. So I thought if I feel like this, then other people will probably feel like this. And my I think my excitement kind of went came across through my posts, because (laughs) I kept posting about all my new like dresses and some pictures of clients still wearing them, some my assistant, but then I got to this point where, okay, I can't keep shooting content with clients and my assistant a I can't tell my client how to stand and pose because they're my clients (laughs) and I can't Mm -hmm. tell them what to try on. So I I can't really, I have no control in that situation and some people don't want to be featured on the page. And then, my assistant although she was great and amazing at trying on all my dresses there were some samples that she didn't have the body shape for she wasn't able to try on the sample size because the fabric you know didn't stretch enough or she Mm -hmm. felt very uncomfortable in it and didn't want me posting a picture of her because she didn't like how she looked and I respected that so at the end of the day I had to kind of you know Go, okay, I need to find someone who wants to model and who actually wants that exposure and wants to do this. So I hooked up with a photographer just around the corner from my house that I found on Instagram for anyone Mm -hmm. who wants to find people. Instagram is a great platform. I have almost found every single person that I work with via Instagram nothing else really um so I found her and she had a little studio and I organized this little photo shoot because I was still under this impression that I need to outsource my creativity to really get you know what I need for my content so I did that um and I took a lot of behind the scenes pictures I love taking behind the scenes and I ended up posting the behind the scenes pictures more than the actual photo shoots because I really And I think that's what people love. Me personally, I love them because I'm like, oh, it's a person. Like you exactly. just think these businesses pop out of nowhere. Exactly. And it's cool to see the behind the scenes of something insight, um, you know, to what the brand's doing and what it's all about. And I realize that behind the scenes pictures, whether it's a customer trying a dress on in the shop or it's me on sets with a small little photo shoot by the pool, mm. people like that. It's interesting. They like seeing what goes into the final product because we all know what you know nice pictures look like for fashion brands or just any brand in general. But it's cool seeing you know what goes on behind the scenes. And I've also noticed on TikTok like recently was showing like from my Dubai campaign how well that does. So because you don't see it normally and people like to the entrepreneur. This is possible for me. Exactly. And, it, and it's a lifestyle that you're actually portraying in a way. So I noticed that behind the scenes did really well. And then also the, the pictures I was posting in front of my rails. So I had all my rails in color coordination because everyone would come in the shop always looking for, I'm looking mm-hmm. for a blue dress or a red dress. So I just thought, okay, this is so much easier. It looks nicer as well aesthetically. And then we color coded everything and it looked cool like a blue rail with you know, a model wearing a red dress. It just popped and and the contrast of it. And on Instagram, you have to be, you have to stand out. And the photos that do the best are usually either very creative or they have a lot of contrasting color um, or it's a very, you know, dreamy destination. But it's the colors are very contrasting, bright. They capture your attention. And you have to do that in a marketplace that's so saturated because there's so much content that's online. And through doing that, I noticed that also, obviously, my samples did a lot better than, um, you know, the older stock that I was doing the same with, because once I saw, okay, this works, I started doing it the same with all the stock that I still had left over and all my new styles and my new styles and way better. Um, and then, yeah, at some point, I started getting, you know, 100 likes, 200 likes, 300 likes, 400 likes. And after about, I think I started doing this in about March of 2018. And I think by September 2018, I'd grown to like 5,000 followers oh, wow. or something like that. I Now I started getting on average three, 400 likes on a photo. For me, that was like, whoa. <laughs> I'm like never you guys. Yeah, I literally posted minimum once every single day i was a bit aggressive in the beginning but you have to be because you have to work with the algorithm because if you it's the same with tiktok for example youtube or whatever you do that is a social media platform with an algorithm if you post today and you post tomorrow that post of tomorrow is going to get the traction from yesterday's post mm. if that draws in people and the more you build on to that i see it with tiktok i post one video it gets fifty thousand views for example let's say it did really well if i post Videos after that, those people that found that first video are potentially going to interact and engage with the new yeah, exactly. that I you want to know more about that and person exactly, and that just helps elevate that content and just grows exponentially from there at the end of the day. So, literally from September through to beginning of 2019, so much happened. Um, after that six month of just posting, posting, posting those types of pictures and through that photo shoot that I did, I found a model. Um, she wasn't signed with an agency or anything like that. How That's did the same find the model? Well, she was on Instagram. Okay. So we were looking on Instagram for girls who put, who put themselves out there as they are modeling. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have money to go to an agency and pay, you know, hundreds of pounds for a day to have someone come out. And I wanted to work with somebody that I could use repeatedly. Because if you go with an agency, it's all about availability as well. Models are flying in and out. They might be booked for that shoot or that shoot. So I wanted to work with somebody who, A, met my target audience so that they could feel like this is someone I can relate to, B, that met my budget, and also somebody that, you know, could be like the face of my brand if that made mm-hmm. sense and I could work yeah, with yeah. repeatedly that can build trust and people then also feel like oh there's Celine right so that that's kind of like what I created because everybody now knows her when they see her they immediately see my brand she she's yeah. the face of my brand now because for the last two years she's been gracing my page every oh, day that's um, and all the models that I work with, none of them were signed with agencies. I uh, The new girls that I found, actually, um, I found them through a competition last year when I was doing for the, the whole Dubai campaign. I did a social media competition on Instagram that to take with one girl, but I ended up choosing two because I couldn't decide. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so we ended up taking two with. <laughs> but the point was that around the time after six months of, of just posting, By the time that I saw like three, four, 500 likes, I also had a lot of customer pictures now because September is massive here. It's prom season. It's probably like May and June by you guys um, in April. Um, Here it's September. It's 90% of all the schools in South Africa have their proms in September. So I got hundreds of pictures from clients that season because now, obviously, that was the first season I launched all these new dresses and everyone was like, oh, my word, I need that. Um, And because they, you can't find mm-hmm. it anywhere else here locally by us. I mean let alone I don't know overseas there's a lot more options and variety but here in South Africa there wasn't anything like it and this was exactly what people were looking for so it really and with Instagram it really pulled those people in and we converted on so many more sales and now I got all these great pictures user generated content and I used that to post on my feed because a it, it looked great I didn't have to create the content and b it showed off my product with a person who looks like they're beaming and glowing smiling from ear to ear I mean they look so happy they look confident yeah exactly and that is ultimately what it's it's a sales post but it's without selling because you're showing look what my product does for people because at the end of the day I'm kind of dressing dreams that's why that's my slogan this is something that some girls dream about Mm -hmm. for years and they dream about that moment standing there you know happy next to their date wearing the tux and the dress and they've got the hair and makeup on they dream about that moment and if you understand you know your your customers pain points and also success points you know exactly like what to play in on and user generated content is really great because you don't have to create it and also it's it's nice to see someone else other than a model because I got that feedback from a lot of my customers and also my family members who were like, you should post more pictures of the customers. We really like seeing them other than, we know Celine looks great in all the dresses, but but it's cool seeing like other people of different bodies and and shapes and sizes and colors. Um, And and that's, and that's actually what I ended up doing more, but it's obviously difficult because you need the user generated content as well. (laughs) So you need to also ask your customer then for that. And, you just ask i mean i ask everybody in the shops i ask everyone when we send you know goods to them online please send us a review please send us pictures would love to feature you and the the great part of it is part of the the whole thing is that now that i have like you know twenty seven thousand followers or whatever it is people just automatically send me stuff because they want to be they want to be yeah
0: it's like a little gift for them all that hard work and effort
1: makeup hair everything you kind of want to be but yeah Shut it out especially for yeah. young girls because they want to like you know it's it's all about social media and being in the spotlight and it's cool like oh this brand featured me I mean I get like that if someone like tags me or features something or reshares what I do I get very excited by it <laughs> and I think everybody has that um but that was when When I started doing all of that, incorporating the user-generated content as well, I started creating more of a community because now I wasn't just Instagram to pull the audience in by showing my content and and promoting my dresses, but I was actually using my platform also to promote my customer and put them on a pedestal. And that, I think, created this community of, you know, that we're not, we're more than just about selling our product. We're about empowering Mm -hmm. girls and about showing you know that you can be beautiful and feel confident no matter what because that's the thing here like locally we didn't have a lot of options to buy ready-made dresses for proms a lot of people had make dresses and those that were ready made, um they weren't high quality and you wouldn't want to really wear it for free to be honest so so you created a solution to a problem yes i created a solution where people now came into the shop and felt like they have so much variety they didn't even know where to choose and not only that but i'm not just offering one or two pieces i have sizes i have colors and you you know like and that's something like I don't know every country is obviously different with their statistics on weights and, and body shapes and size, but Africa has bodies, you know, <laughs> mm. and we need to care yeah. for that. And unfortunately people don't see like in the fashion world seem to like create size charts that only work for very skinny people. And I think yeah. it's so important, especially, you know, for for larger girls and plus girls, that we need to that and the fashion world doesn't do that enough and it's not something that i'm fully there yet with i'm busy building on that you're trying and you're making steps exactly and i love you know i love it when i get a review from someone who says to me that i literally made their whole year because the fact that they not only found the dress that they always wanted but it fits them and it makes them look great and feels skinny I mean, that's that like point of it is that I just want to make people feel great on a day that, you know, it should all be about you at the end of the day. And that creates a community because it shows people that and with the models that I use as well, I'm sending a message to people that you don't have to be, you know, a supermodel. These are people Mm -hmm. you can relate to them in, in a lot of ways. They are your normal girls. That girl goes to the university that you might be going to literally because my model she walks on campus and people are like oh that's scarlet girl <laughs> They've <seen you> before. <laughs> they they know her now because of that
0: <laughs> so how did you go from like scaling up your business like when you're when you started to get more sales like how was that because i guess uh, sometimes you need more money in, to do that um, and somebody might not know how to handle that if they haven't been in that area before
1: yeah it was very difficult because around the time so back to where I was with the Instagram thing when I started getting like a few hundred likes by October, 2018, I started getting a thousand likes in my off season, right? Because now in America and and the UK, all the people are starting their new school year and they start thinking, Ooh, what am I going to do? And there's, and some people already start buying and stuff. And I started getting a lot of international feedback for the first time, because obviously I only started really posting properly in March and going into the new season. I, I, I didn't expect, honestly, what was going to happen. I ended up creating my first like mini collection um, with certain styles that are honestly like my best sellers through and through. And I ended up launching that, no like specific campaign, no launch plan, nothing. The the launch plan was to just get the product here and to just take a photo of it and put it on Instagram (laughs) so people knew that I had this now. And by the time it was February, January, that's the start of our season here because everyone goes to school and now we're going to start. So that's, it runs hand in hand with international and all of a sudden out of nowhere, I don't know what happened, but the photos started getting like 2000 likes. And I, I was posting every day, right? Every single day, sometimes twice a day, even from beginning of January, 2019 through to about July, every single day, posting, posting, posting. And I started getting 3000 likes, 2000 likes, 5000 mm-hmm. likes, 8,000 likes. And when I, by the time I started launching like part one and two, which was Feb and March, I was getting like 10,000 likes on some of these posts with the photos. Oh it was gosh. crazy. And I mean, it was all hashtags here, it was all hashtags. And obviously the the pictures captivated people's um, attention Mm -hmm. and the product was what they were obviously the most interested in. And what happened was they would save the post. And if there's one thing, if I can say to people, and this is what I'm gonna say on my whole platform all the time is if you can create posts that get shared and saved, that is more important than anything else on Instagram. Because if a post gets saved, that is the ultimate goal. That is showing the algorithm that this is important. We're going to save this. If it gets shared, that's also really important. More so than likes, comments, DMs, anything like that. Um, and I noticed that in all the posts that did extremely well, they got saved like five, 6,000 times um and got shared four or five thousand times with people and that's ultimately what drove that onto the explore page pulling more people in i gained about ten thousand followers in a month um during the month that i was launching two collections it i mean and then i started experimenting with content because now i got over my store pictures i felt like i've done this now for a year i'm over this i need to like jazz it up because i only had Mm -hmm customer photos and my store pictures where I had two angles. So I had three scenes, if you could call it like that. And I wanted a couple of extra scenes. And I saw a lot of the big brands were always doing these location shoots. And I understood it. It kind of, you know, when you go on sites or on a location, it gives more um, like perspective, a lifestyle, creativity. Mm -hmm. It kind of, you know, fills and completes the story of the product. So I thought, okay, what can I do? So I came up with this idea to go to Table Mountain um, to, to go shoot on top of the mountain. And now thinking about it, it was like the worst idea ever. Going and hiking up Table Mountain with 20 congresses oh was not <laughs> the right idea. And the thing is, with lighting, right, with sunsets and everything. So we only ended up shooting about five or six. But it was such a cool experience. Um, I teamed up with another photographer. I found on Instagram Worked with my budget she was very keen to collaborate and I still work with her today she's really cool and we and then we just took a whole team up there we hiked me my model my assistant the photographer and the makeup artist and we hiked up the mountain scenes pictures again I always go crazy behind the scenes and again i would post all these behind the scenes pictures and not the actual photo shoot because i realized that the behind the scenes does a lot mm. better than the final photo shoot pictures the the photo shoot pictures are great for your website but for instagram people like seeing they want to connect in the moment exactly so i posted all of that but then the problem was great i did this photo shoot it cost me like a few hundred pounds in total to do it but the problem that I had was I only shot six dresses, <laughs> and I still had like 20 other ones that I needed to shoot, but I didn't have budget to, to, to do, do this yeah. every month and I didn't want to rely on someone else either. So I said, you know what? I was able to with my phone take great pictures in my store. I'm going to go onto the field behind my house. And I'm just very fortunate that I live on top of a mountain um, on Helderberg mountain in mm-hmm. Cape town. And you, you might see it on one of my pictures on my ins- personal Instagram feed, I've got this beautiful mountain, I don't have neighbors, and this whole open field, it's not my field, but it's just behind my house. And I said to my model, hey, do you want to come around, we're going to go on the field and just try something out. I had no idea how lighting worked. I'm not a photographer, right. So I had to the first few, like, pictures, at least the first hour was terrible. It was like, shadowed and no that's not the right spot no this is not the right spot and I think after like an hour I finally got into the groove I found a nice area okay the lighting's perfect here let's try this and we just did that the whole afternoon and at the end of the day I was so shocked by what I created I mean it looked honestly like a photographer (laughs) I was like geez I was like man like you can do so much with an iPhone it's crazy Mm -hmm. and then I just edited it with my preview app on the free edition and put some filters on and changed the brightness and the highlights and the contrast and played around with it. I created three pictures that I really liked. I posted it on my personal page. I had 70 followers at the time. I got 400 likes <laughs> and then I posted it on my um, business page. And honestly, the, the, the one photo is my best photo that I've ever had. It had like 20,000 likes or something and 15,000 saves or whatever. Um, it, it was crazy. And I and I posted it twice to just see was it just that one time, but that second one did just as good. So it was obviously the dress and the setting that that just made it. But I showed myself that geez, you can really create unique content without actually having to do a lot or having to, you know, employ expensive yeah. Is or you know outsource your creativity. and I'm not saying to people starting a business up that you have to do everything yourself. If anything, I don't advise that at all because I've been there and done that and I went through a massive burnout because through doing all this, obviously if you're growing at that rate, if you go from 400 to 5,000 likes in less than six months, you're selling product. So I couldn't launch my website because my product just kept selling out. So I couldn't even like launch my site. I still haven't launched my site because every time I launch something, it just sells out. So I'm like in this awkward position the whole time, but it's actually a really good problem to have. But it, yeah. <laughs> but it's still, it's a problem at the end of the day. And I couldn't do certain things. And having a website would make my life easier on a lot of levels. Um, I opened my second store up. So that was also like quite a, a whole. So you have two thing. stores, is that correct? Yeah, I have two showrooms. Two physical stores. Yeah, two physical showrooms. And then I sell online and I have stockists as well. So, And that all happened between February and June last year where it just went from doing great. Like I was making six figures and I was running my business and I thought like, you know, I can do this for a few years and I can see this growing somewhere. I didn't expect like within six months to jump like five steps ahead. Um, And that was because Mm -hmm. of Instagram and what it did. It brought the international clients in and I didn't even have a website and I'm I'm selling through DMs. That's how I sell online. People message, we ask the measurements, we do all the communication via that, we invoice and we send it off. And there's a few brands that work like that. And it just shows you, you don't need an e-commerce site. I probably made over like $300,000 just from Instagram selling through DMs, let alone my stores and all of that. So I just want people to understand that Instagram, social media is so powerful in so many ways. If I didn't have that, I would still be in my attic space right now, probably doing the same thing and just launching my second range and hoping that, <laughs> that I can- What start- would you say to somebody <clears throat> right now? there's
0: there's somebody maybe a a young girl guy whatever it is like there's somebody that's at home in their bedroom and they're feeling like oh my god I would love to do something like this but I don't have the confidence like I don't know what to do and they're feeling down they're feeling depressed like what would you say to them in terms of like starting their business like because you've literally been through it
1: um I would say it's not abnormal. Um, I think you, as an entrepreneur, you're always going to go through ups and downs. If you're choosing for for a career path that's going to give you the easy route, it's probably not going to be entrepreneurship. Um, even like me, where I'm at, I still have days where like I doubt myself and go through like you know the the typical insecurity complex that I think everybody has to some extent, but. I would say the biggest thing I've learned in terms of, you know, from when I started to where I'm now is your mindset is really important. Um, If you feel like, you know, I can't do this, it's probably not going to happen. You have to develop the mindset of I can Mm -hmm. and I am going to do it. Speaking actively in the moment. And I've noticed that with myself, you know, when I used to start out, I would always say like, oh, I want to do this. And it never happened because, I never actually, it, it, it was always a dream. I never actually activated that into my reality. And with like Scarlett, I was more like, I am doing this. Mm-hmm. I have to do this. <laughs> so I'm going to do this. And it's the same with, you know, what I'm currently busy with, um, which is business coaching. Um, it's the exact same thing. Normally, I would take months to kickstart something like this if this was five years ago. Now, I just have this attitude, you know, what do I have to lose at the end of the day? I'm putting myself out there If I helps one person great. That's better than me sitting at home, not trying. And I think the same for anyone who wants to start a business. If you're trying to be perfect or you're trying to wait for the right moment or until you feel like you are comfortable enough to do it, you're going to be waiting for the rest of your life because I don't think there's ever a time where you are going to feel 100% ready to do it. Things are scary. Mm -hmm. It's scary putting yourself out there. It's scary taking that leap you know it's scary putting all your savings into something. It's it's scary having no control over the outcome when you've put so much time and effort into something. But I think it's important that at the end of the day, you can't look at it as a loss. Even if you did not gain the things you thought you were going to gain, you have indirectly still gained something, which is knowledge and experience that this didn't work. Like I thought, and these are the reasons for it, or like, why could, what could I do to improve on this next time? You always learn out of things. Um, And I just think people should just start, honestly, just start because- trying to perfect something or trying to, like I said, be at that point where you feel like, okay, I can do this. It's not, it's going to take months for you, if not years to get to that point. And it will never happen. That's what I believe. I don't think anyone hundred percent feels confident or ready to pursue anything in life, but you just have to take the leap at the end of the day and not care what other people are are saying. And most importantly, we can be our own worst enemy sometimes because I know starting out from all my businesses, I was the one that was holding myself back the most. Mm -hmm. With my first business, I was always saying I need photographers. Now I realize I can create my own content. Like I don't need other people to do that for me. I always used to say with my first business, I need a social media manager to help manage my pages because I don't have time for that. And I don't know how to do it. I taught myself how to do it. And I actually showed... Was so, and that's just like two examples there are so many different things that I taught myself over the years and realized you know I can actually do these things and it was my own mindset that was holding me back from doing it and just like now this whole situation with what I'm doing with my my personal brand it's very uncomfortable for me because I'm not used to putting myself out there yeah. but at the end of the day I've noticed through doing it I've had so many opportunities come my way. I've had so many people ask me questions, want me to help them. And it's shown me like, wow, you know, if you open yourself up and you're positive and you're not, you know, trying to be something you're not and force things, it's amazing what can happen. And it's the exact same thing that happened with Scarlet. I wasn't trying to build this empire. It it just kind of happened. It just happened. Exactly. Because I wasn't... Trying, and I think sometimes when we try too hard, we are putting too much pressure on ourselves, and we're missing the key to actually where the success lies. And I think when you're not trying, it it kind of opens up. It's the same like you know people who try have kids or try and find a boyfriend when they're not trying, it actually usually happens. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it happens. I think this is the perfect
0: opportunity to say, guys. I know this this um, interview was like amazing, and there's so much information you got from it. But I mean. We can't take all of Joe's time. So I think this is the perfect <laughs> opportunity for her to tell you about what she is doing, how she went from her bedroom to now having a business with over six figures. And if, Joe, you can just tell them a bit about where they can find you and what you're going to be doing with your new like business um, information and things that they can learn from it.
1: Well, basically, I want to use my platform. Um, I have an online platform now, and I want to use that to inspire other people and empower them that... You can create your own success, um, specifically using the online world and social media. I mean, look what I did. I was able to grow a multiple six-figure business within less than a year, and it's still ever growing into the seven figures now, and I'm scaling it internationally because of that. And I just want people to understand that, you know, your life can change, but it's not just about building a successful business. It's also about building a successful life, Mm -hmm. and it's about having the right mindsets. I mean, I've been, I've been there where I was making $500,000 and I was depressed and unhappy. I didn't feel successful, though everyone thought I looked successful from, from the outside. And it's because I wasn't feeling fulfilled at the end of the day. I love my business, don't get me wrong, but I didn't start it out as a passion from a young age. From a young age, I started out wanting to build businesses like my parents. And that is through this business coaching, I have found my own fulfillment where it's something that allows me to share my knowledge and experience with other people, help them, and I feel fulfilled in return. And I want to share that message with other people that it's not about the money that you make. Mm-hmm. It's important. But what's more important is that you have the life that you want to live. There's no point in making six figures and being unhappy, doing something that you don't love. And I think a lot of people starting up businesses don't start with the, round foundation, um, the right foundation and framework to achieve that type of success. And that's what I want to show people is finding their purpose, showing people how they can build a brand, how they can grow an audience online, grow different revenue streams because it's not just about selling a product online nowadays with the digital world. There are so many ways that entrepreneurs like myself can build personal brands and develop outside income streams other than their actual business. Vice versa. If you have a service based business or you are an influencer, you can create multiple income streams from YouTube, from your blog. There are so many ways to be a modern day digital savvy entrepreneur. And I think that's where entrepreneurship is going. And that's ultimately what I want to teach other people and obviously give them the right systems in place to help scale that, but also live the balanced life that one needs, because there's no point in working harder than a nine to five. (laughs) When you set out to become an entrepreneur to have the freedom to do what you want. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs end up going on the wrong path and just struggle even getting there. So I really want to help people with achieving that. So where can they get this information? Where
0: what platforms can they find you on? If you can just like spell out the name.
1: Launching my website end of the month, um, where I'll Mm -hmm. basically have a blog where I'll be sharing some of my content, obviously. But I'm actually going to be creating a membership website where I'm going to be sharing my framework to success, um, the step by step Mm -hmm. guide. It's like a mini coursework framework um, with tons of resources. Also one on one sessions with me. I'm going to be inviting other people who are within my industry or you know the online world, just general. Entrepreneurs. It doesn't matter what brand you basically have and be able to interview them. Um, so it's create a little bit of a community online where I can try and create as much impact as I can and help people along the way with as little investment as possible because a lot of people don't have the funds to if, um, invest in expensive courses and coaching. And I want to be able to kind of be that mentor and provide that support to people yeah. along the way who want to try and figure it out on their own but need that little bit of extra guidance. And I'm also going to be um, starting a YouTube channel which is launching at the same time as my website where I'm basically also going to be throwing in some ideas you know getting people to understand what profitable niches are and what business ideas are trending for the future to come given that we're going more digital and these markets are opening up more how do you make money off social media how do you make a business plan like all these like basic key elements that a lot of people starting out oftentimes don't do or fail to do or you know struggle with Um, and through a blog, a YouTube channel, my social media channels, and then obviously my membership. Instagram, Exactly, I'm going to utilize all of that to to share it. And then hopefully by beginning of next year, I hope to be able to offer some more courses and one-on-one coaching and group environments. That is a little bit more of an investment um, because obviously, you know, there's more content, there's more time involved from my side. It's more of a mentorship program, really, um, where it's much more limited and exclusive. But I think it would help those that enjoy the membership, enjoy my content that are what I'm putting out there and who want to learn more directly from me and go through my process and my courses. Um, I think it would help a lot, especially like with social media and Instagram. Um, I've learned a lot. Have a few things I could share with people. (laughs) Listen,
0: I can't wait, I'm excited. Guys, if you're not following Jo already, make sure you follow her. I'm going to link all her socials down below on this video, on on this podcast. So you can go straight away, follow Scarlet Fashion Dresses, follow Jo on Instagram, TikTok. She's going to be launching her YouTube and then eventually you will find out about her website and her membership courses. And if you're ever the type of person that's thinking, oh, I wouldn't like to invest, it's good to invest in yourself the same way that you might, I don't know, go to a restaurant and some expensive meal whatever sometimes you need to invest in yourself like you're going to get the benefit out of it so don't be afraid to do that but there's so many other free platforms that she's sharing her information so definitely thank you for listening guys I thoroughly enjoyed this interview thank you so much for for sharing your story it was actually amazing
1: I'm really happy for this opportunity. It was very fun. And I, I enjoyed, um, you know, sharing my knowledge and experience with whoever's listening. Um, and I hope that it's made a difference um, going forward with your strategy for your business. Thank you so much. Like,
0: I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, Amanda couldn't be there today, but I'm pretty sure she's going to enjoy listening to this story. She's busy doing her dissertation, but we're all <laughs> boss girls and we're all going to get it. So I'm excited exactly. to see your journey, Joe.
1: Okay, great. I'm really excited about all of this.